This is Running Out of Runway, a discussion about startups, founders, and feelings. This week, we're talking about what to expect when joining a startup as a co-founder or employee. Early stage companies are inherently risky. If you're thinking about joining a startup, then your job is to understand the level, type, and awareness of that risk in order to protect yourself. Financial risk is probably the first thing that comes to mind. It's dangerous to rely on a young company for your primary source of income. I know. But the justification is in the long-term potential return of a major exit. That assumes, of course, that you will receive equity in the company as part of your compensation package. In most situations, this is a sliding scale where lower risk equates to a lower reward opportunity. Startups are an exercise in jumping off a cliff and building a plane on the way down. They're what we affectionately call default dead until the point when they hit product market fit and become default alive. Usually, that means they've hit on a product that is able to be maintained and sold at a sustainable and quickly growing rate. It's at that point that fundraising goes from speculative what it could be narrative to a growth oriented what it is story that makes it considerably easier to bring in funds or fund via sales. Inherently, that inflection point changes your opportunities and risks. A company raising a seed round to build a prototype probably can't pay you much and has near zero security from an income perspective, but you should be receiving enough equity to make that risk worthwhile. After raising a Series B, though, with maybe $5 million in annual revenue and a better long-term outlook, you're probably likely to have a reliable paycheck, but almost assuredly won't have an opportunity for much ownership, if any. Here's an example of this risk and how to analyze it. It's a bit long, but bear with me. Let's say you're talking to the founder of a company selling enterprise communication software. They're fairly new with just three co-founders on staff and an early prototype of their tool. They want you to join them as their first employee and new head of engineering. Your current job as a remote developer for a legacy corporate company in the same space is nice, but maybe a little boring. You currently make $175,000 per year, plus a nice benefits package. In discussions with the startup, they've mentioned that they can only offer $50,000 per year in salary, but will match your benefits and offer you 10% of the company investing stock options. What gets you really excited is that they say they're going to be the next Slack. Slack is worth like $17 billion. 10% of that is what, $1.7 billion? And oh my God, you're gonna be so rich, right? Well, hold your horses for a second. Let's think that through. First, it's exceedingly rare to have a company achieve the level of success that the team at Slack has done. It's less than a one in a million shot in many cases. The conditions, team, timing, and everything have to be just perfect. Statistically, it's probably not going to happen. Next, your 10% is not really 10%. It's actually a finite number of shares or options. That number stays the same as the company issues more and more shares to new investors. When the company raises its seed round, let's say $2 million on a $5 million pre-money valuation, it'll be selling roughly 28% of its equity meaning your 10% is now actually 7%. Oh, and if that $2 million doesn't get you to scalable sales, then you'll probably need to raise a seed plus round, maybe another $2 million on a seven pre to survive another year while you try to get product market fit. Your 7% is now 5%. Maybe you get lucky and find your niche before running out of cash. Now it's time to raise your series A. 
Your growth rate is slower than prestige VCs want to see, but you found a partner at an enterprise-focused firm that likes your CEO and is still stinging from one he passed on Yammer a decade ago. You're able to raise a healthy $12 million on a $24 million pre. Your 10% is now 3%. Oh wait, but in the final deal docs, the firm is demanding a new 10% option pool to be created to help attract new talent, and it has to come before their investment. Now it's 2.8%. Just before you celebrate your third anniversary with the company, your now friend, the CEO, is fired by the board. They bring in a new CEO who immediately cleans house, and you're let go a day shy of when your third annual vesting period ends. Your original 10% is now down to 1.4%. A few months later, that new awesome CEO takes a gig with Uber, and the board gives up. And the company you worked your ass off to build is sold in an asset sale for $20 million to a PE firm. You're obviously sad about how things went, but you think to yourself, that check for 280 grand is going to help with the pain. Oh wait, taxes. You didn't hold the shares long enough to pay capital gains, so the sale is taxed as normal income. After paying the strike price per share and lawyer fees, you're going to walk away with just over $150,000. You received $150,000 in total salary as well, so the monetary compensation of your three years with the startup was three hundred grand. Not bad. But had you kept your corporate gig, those three years at $175,000 in salary would have paid you the same amount. Now you might think that that example I laid out is convoluted and that the company was a massive failure, but this is actually an example of a reasonably successful startup. The vast majority of companies never raise a seed round, let alone a $10 million plus Series A. Most die on the vine before ever having a product. To even have a fire sale like that after two CEO changes in a year is pretty damn lucky. There are a couple ways to deal with this risk. The first is to have realistic expectations. Don't get caught up in long shot maybes and what ifs and make sure you understand the realities. It's also important that you make sure your potential co-founders or employees are also aware of the realities. Make sure they're forthcoming with details and plans for the long term. A lesson I've learned repeatedly is get everything in writing. Consider running it by a lawyer before signing anything. That leads me to another type of risk, which is reputation. In the minds of many people, a founder or employee of a breakout startup is someone to be admired, while one from a failed or unfamiliar company is someone to be pitied or derided. Assuming the company you join is not a darling of the press and all over TechCrunch, it's going to make your career story more complex to tell. What's worse, if your founders are less than 100% scrupulous in all things, the blemish on their reputations will rub off on you as well. What happens after your stint with the startup? Assume for a moment that you don't become fabulously wealthy and need to find a job. How will your LinkedIn look? To some, your two years at a company no one has ever heard of will make you look flaky as hell. Mitigation of that is about two things. First, having trustworthy partners that are going to do the right thing no matter what is vital. If you join a company with a charlatan con man as CEO, their burnt bridges become yours. Second, being able to tell a good story can overcome any resume weirdness. Highlight the experience you gained by leading aspects of the company. Talk about why things fell apart. Be open. Another type of risk, your sanity. If you've never taken part in startup before, you might underestimate the toll one can take on your mental well-being. Building a company from scratch is like a prolonged struggle to survive. 
your fight or flight instinct will be working overtime, sometimes over things that would normally feel silly to worry about. Depression is rampant among startup founders, potentially because the constant roller coaster of emotion inures them to both positive and negative stimuli. Just like an adrenaline junkie needs to keep doing more and more extreme things to get their fix, so too is startup life. Things change on a dime. Controlled chaos sounds like it might be fun, but when you spend 18 hours a day whiplashing between customer support and writing a blog post and answering sales emails and writing code, you're going to experience a level of ADD that you've never seen before. I sometimes refer to myself as unemployable. You will be too if you do this for long enough. No way to mitigate this, it's just the way it is. Finally, relationships will be endangered. It's a huge risk. When I joined my first startup, I had just turned 20. My wife and I were dating, and I'm continuously amazed that our relationship has survived the 19 years I've been doing this. As with depression, divorce is rampant in the startup population. The financial danger, emotional stress, and time commitment required are brutal on marriages. If you've got kids, weighing your ability to watch them grow up against a long shot potential monetary gain is a hard decision. You'll have to make it carefully. Your co-founders will be the only friends you ever see. No more early morning tailgating because you're going to be up all night writing code. Your parents won't get why you'd be willing to give up your steady job, and you certainly won't ever be able to explain to them what you do. Assuming you still want to go through with this, here's what you need to do before pulling the trigger. Number one, have an emergency fund that can cover all your expenses for at least six months. You don't know what's going to happen. You might be without any income quicker and for longer than you might expect. Having a financial buffer gives you the power to control your own destiny. No matter how convincing your team is, don't you dare invest that emergency fund in the startup. It will end badly. Number two, ask your potential co-founders or employees the hard questions. Like, how many stock options am I going to receive? What's the total number of shares issued in the company to date? What is the vesting schedule of those options? The strike price? How much money do you expect to raise? When? What do you realistically see as the outcome of this business? Whatever it takes for you to be comfortable. Number three, be as informed as possible. Compare the business and the team's plan for fundraising and execution with other similar stage companies in the market. Look on Crunchbase or in the press to find out numbers and investors involved. What's a normal amount of options to be issued as a co-founder or early employee? There's no hard rule. Talk to existing team members and investors about their takes and note how widely varied they are from the CEO's vision. Ask personal mentors and people in the know what they think about the company and your potential involvement. When you get an offer letter, run it by a lawyer who has startup experience. Talk through the decision and the potential ramifications with your spouse and family. Make sure to actually listen to their feedback. I don't think this is a good idea, but if you really want to do it, it's not a yes. If you do decide to make the leap, enjoy it. While the risk is huge and the work will be exhausting, a startup can be an amazing way to advance your career and escape a boring routine job. Hell, it can be downright fun when things are going well. If you've always wanted to work for yourself, it can be life-changing to run a team the way you want it. It can be as emotionally fulfilling as it is draining. Just remember, doors and corners, kid, that's where they get you. Let us know if we missed something or have a different opinion. Leave us a comment or shoot me your feedback at ed at runningoutofrunway.com or at ebuholtz on Twitter.
You can also hit us up at Out of Runway or at runningoutofrunway.com. Thanks so much for listening in. If you like this content and want more, make sure to subscribe, please.